This episode brought to you by Basecamp. When you use Basecamp to run projects, people know what to do. People know where things are, and you stay on top of everything all the time. So visit Basecamp.com. Come on down to Dave and Davey's mysterious discount oddities and fun time emporium. <laughs> we got three shells of shit, don't even know what it is. Our ignorance is your saving. That's right, 30% off anything we can't identify. About half a pound of squatch back bacon. Two ninety-eight. Two pound sack of shadow spider food. Four twenty-three. A bucket of old hag bait. A dollar ninety-nine. Limit four. <laughs> if you love sports, then you love chunky. Who doesn't like chunky? Dave's and Dave's mysterious discount oddities and fun time emporium are the only officially licensed merchandiser for Major League Junkie. Maze gobblers, turf bears, we got all both of them. <laughs> Y'all want Gypsy Cursed Antiques? We got Gypsy Cursed Antiques. Hell, the whole store's built on an Indian burger ground. (laughs) (laughs) Come on down to David Davies. Mysterious discount out of these Funtime Emporium. Look us up on the web. I'm just kidding. I don't know what the hell that is. I go for the fun time emporium. <laughs> I go for the Indian burial ground. <laughs> Something for everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm Davey Flora. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Coot Stecco. <laughs> uh, welcome to Blurry Photos. Yeah. A rootinist, tootinist, discountinist. Discount shootinist. Yeah. Cash onlyinist. <laughs> We ain't got a phone line out here. <laughs> Hell no. I <laughs> uh, hope everybody's doing okay. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Pretty good? Pretty Tell good? Them. Yep, pretty good. Is it about that time of year where uh, it's getting kind of dry, kind of winding down in the summertime? And the living is easy. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can get podcasts and touch the sky with sky. I don't know what the f- I just That's, put podcast right and then went right back to Mungo Jerry's <laughs> seminal hit. If you've ever listened to that song, it's pretty disturbing. It, it if is, your daddy's rich, take her out of the town. If her daddy's poor, just do what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much it. Yeah. Just do what you feel. Because <laughs> there's no consequence if they don't have the money to prosecute. <laughs> Come on, Mungo Jerry. Get your shit. Together. You can do better than that. Yeah, you're better than that, Mungo. <laughs> Mung. Yeah. Don't say Mung in America. That's his name. It is his name. It is his name. But uh, that's not what you're here for. You're not here for crazy 70s uh, at this point, folk, folk heroes. At this point, maybe you are. I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't even know. Do you like how I tried to segue into what we're talking about and then we just got sidetracked with right Mungo back, Jerry? Yeah, right back <laughs> into it. There's no there's no hope for us. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, and, it is. And I'll tell you what, Dave uh, came up with, with this one. This is one of Dave's babies. And Davey baby, uh, Davey's Davey baby, and uh, I think I think it's going to be real fun. We're we're going to have a lot of different stuff to offer you in this one. Yeah, everything from 
uh, folklore and yeah. a, occultism to science and a little and bit of mu- stories. A little bit of a, a silver silver tongue devil moves into town. A little bit of music man. Yeah. Some scams, some flams, some shams, some broken dams. Oh, mm, I did it. Damn. Damn. So I, wait, wait. Uh, there was uh, when I, on Ragbri, one of the towns we went through, like, as I said before, like sometimes these towns have like a, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's a high school mascot, but they're just like, Hey, we're the, we're the, 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 the Smithsburg fighting Vikings. Uh-huh. Everything in the town is Vikings. Sure, everything. sure. So there's one town we went through and everything was beaver themed and they were selling t-shirts for $6. I bought one for my friend, Elise. <laughs> it says, are you a beaver? Cause damn. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. It was it was fluorescent orange. Nice. <laughs> uh, our our mascot was the blue jacket. Really? Yeah. Which that bird? Was, what is that bird? It's uh well it was a instead of a yellow jacket it's blue. Oh. So it's like a wasp. So it's like it's like the the basketball team hornets. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> and I I have to wonder if that maybe started out as like Native American because. Blue jacket is in reference to like a Native Amer- it's a it's like a Native American reference. Oh. Uh and then maybe changed along the way, you know, for to be PC or whatever. Maybe. I don't know, but they were pretty late to do a lot of those changes. That would have happened in your lifetime. I would think so, but maybe my town was uh, super progressive. As you may have guessed, we're talking about team mascots this episode. <laughs> That's right. No words wrong. Stories. What are we talking about, Stego? Uh, we're talking about rainmakers. Rainmaking. Uh, I mean, a drought is a very popular topic these days. Uh, it is not a popular uh, phenomenon, <laughs> but lots of people are talking about it. And I thought it'd be fun to go into um, not only the history of of people's attempts to conjure or control rain, but uh, it's it covers so much ground um, from from religious systems. To the uh, the the traveling rain salesman of the Dust Bowl, to modern science, to the uh, the Beijing Olympics. I mean, it, there's there's all kinds of things. This is a heck of an ongoing story, and it's not. Um, we're not talking about just weather control. We're talking about people who need water on demand. Yeah, yeah, and you know when you when you said rainmaking to me, you um, called me an idiot. I was up. like, you're an idiot. I was like, take up. this seriously. I'm gonna find somebody else to to co-host with. Yeah, we got close. Gonna pay the price. Close. We got really close. But then I went. I I recorded a sample podcast and stood outside his house with a boombox and played it. And he fell in love with it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, as I as I started going through this, I should have guessed. I mean, what's one thing that that everything everybody on the planet has in common? Trying to predict the weather. That's right. <laughs> Dealing with what uh, Mother Nature gives you. And it was, it turned into the biggest cornucopia of information. So we got to dive in here. Was it, was it a downpour? It, it, I just got flooded with, <laughs> with facts. Water puns. Water puns. Puns are uh, plays on words. That's what puns are. Oh, oh you said water puns. Boom. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, 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 no. We're not giving that to him. He doesn't get that. He does not get that. Uh, So wait, but just just to mark that, that was a pun about me referencing a pun that you had. I mean, that is that is 
Inception. Oh, the KFC double down. Yeah, Inception <laughs> didn't go that deep. So I mean, a, a genuine, <laughs> earnest, well played, Flora. It's a chicken sandwich between two chickens. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what. And rain- if you eat your fingers, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about what rainmaking is and uh, what the history of the of rain rituals and cultures and things like that is, are is ours and uh, maybe a little bit of the current state of rainmaking. Yeah. Um, What's the cutting edge of rainmaking technology? But to to give you an overview, rainmaking is a pretty simple concept. Mm-hmm. It's a type of ritual designed to conjure rain. Boom! Nailed you're, it. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, the ritual or rituals involved could be anything from a dance or spell to singing or chanting or, or the use of a device or a charm. Uh, probably the most popular rain ritual in North America is the Native American rain dance, but cultures from all over the world have invoked the sky to open up throughout the ages. Different instruments are used in the ritual of rainmaking, including rain sticks, stones, and uh, other objects. Everybody is familiar with the rain stick who walked by the nature store in the 90s. <laughs> they sold them by the, the hundreds. I think they probably had them at all the like gift shops and stuff too at state parks and things. Oh, yeah, I mean, even to this day, you 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 can't swing a dead cat without hitting a rain stick in a gift shop. <laughs> I uh, when I my first job, um, no, not my first job, but my first like retail job I ever had was I was um, holiday help at the mall for the nature store, and I had to. I was the f-ing little dickweed who sat up front with like a, a raccoon puppet going hi. Hi, Merry Christmas. Hi. Hi, yeah, it's a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Wow. Yeah, I think I think they were trying to get me out of the way. <laughs> oh. One of my bosses chewed on her thumb a lot. It was all messed up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's some sort of weird. Was your boss like a raccoon? No, she was a perfectly normal and capable woman in all respects, but her left thumb was horrifying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Uh, rainmaking is no, often- No, no, no. They don't want to hear about rainmaking. They want to hear about my, 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 my high school holiday awesome. job. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, rain, it's often seen as uh, a part of witchcraft in the form of spells or incantations. And uh, we, we have one or two of those as an example. Uh-oh. We're going to teach you how to summon a devil of rain, <laughs> a demon of precipitation. We're going to teach you how to summon something from the dark lord. <laughs> we also have some stories, some music, some folklore, some modern scientific rainmaking. We got it all in this episode. We got it all. Yeah. And, so, and if we can just, just get over ourselves, might we might even get to it. That's right. Uh, let's start with some history. Histrionics. Histoire. The realization that rain is important to cultures is as old as what dave culture itself agriculture told you rain <laughs> sort of. rain is water and water is life for oh, most civilizations and the day. hydrologic cycle was mentioned as far back as 3000 years ago in vedic and sanskrit indian texts a prayer to invoke gods varuna or indra in order to obtain rainfall comes from the bhagavad gita Performed by Vedic priests, the most popular verse that modern Hindus quote goes as follows. 
Uh, Dave, will you be so kind as to read this? <laughs> I sure will. Anad Bhavanti, Bhutani Parjanyadana Sambhava. Yagnad Bhavanti Parijanyo Yagnya. Karma, I know that word, Sambhadava. Translated, it means that the life... Oh, oh, you get English? ...is born from food. You're a cheater. Food is produced by rain. Rain is produced by performing yagnaya, and that yagnaya is performed by doing karma. A uh, fire is built in this um, ritual, and items are offered to the gods, including milk, grains, and cakes. Gods love cake. Everybody loves cake. So true. If I was a god, I'd still love cake. I feel like I am a god, and I love cake. Rainmaking has been very important to various tribes in African history. And let me please underline various tribes. It was recorded in accounts by 19th century imperialist Europeans, albeit a bit distorted in a more Eurocentric manner. I think what you mean is racist. Yeah, they yeah, they classified yeah. it as silly exotica. Right, right. Because all these people on the entire continent were just bored waiting for white people to show up. Oh, this is what we've been doing just to kill time. Thank God you're here. What's that? Diseases? Thanks. <laughs> and again, there are a ton of different tribes and cultures in Africa, and each has its own distinct rituals. I, we, we cannot go over them all. I'm we, just gonna, and I will not. And we will not go over them all. We're going to hit... Uh, um, Lana keeps saying, go over all of them. We're not going to... I'm sorry, Lana. Sorry, Lana. I'm so sorry. I, it, it's, it's, a, it's pretty amazing... If you're into anthropology or just uh, uh, different cultures in general and mythologies and stuff, the stuff in Africa you could just roll around in for years because uh, uh, everybody everything's so distinct. Even mm-hmm. even though you know everything's right on top of each other and they're so close, I mean it's a big continent. Yeah, it is. It but, is a very large continent. But I mean, it is. It's fascinating because I think that uh, you know, not to soapbox it, but I think that we we end up with kind of this strangely homogenous view of Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, like it, it, the way it's portrayed in the media, the way that the information we get from it, it just, it just seems like kind of one big place. That's all exactly the same and nothing's ever good. And, and that's just, that's just a, it's a, it's a sad inaccuracy just based on, on our exposure to it. So right. by, yeah, you know, it, it's worth, it's worth, look, worth looking into. It's worth learning more about. It's a fascinating continent. I mean, think of it this way. You've got uh, South Africa, which uh, is, is very distinctly different from just, you know, going North a little bit. Zambia is completely different going even, I mean, up to the top, there's Egypt yep. going to the West Morocco. Like everything is so it's got Burkina Faso, formerly known as Upper Volta. The capital is Ouagadougou. There you go. And Djibouti is Djibouti. Anyway, uh, most- that's, that's like my pocket weird country name, and I, so I memorized it. Most villages have their own Maroka or Rainmaker, and that's just one name for it. Um, another one could be Shine Chief. I saw that as, an, as another name for a Rainmaker. Careful. Uh, and this person would guide priests and priestesses through the rituals of invoking rains, including animal sacrifice, food offerings, dances, and incantations. And there are so many different mythologies for rain and rain making in, in African society. It would take three episodes to discuss them. So, so that's what we're going to do. This is one so. of three. Sorry, uh, blurry, blurry photober canceled. We're it's all African rain myth. I, actually, I think that would still be pretty cool to do. I'm um, not going to, but you know. 
leave it to someone who actually knows what they're doing. We'll, we'll give you this. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that uh, up to your imagination. Mm-hmm. There's just there's there's too many to cover. Yeah, but don't just imagine it. Learn about it because if you just make it up in your own head, you're not going to be right. Eastern Europe has <laughs> Eastern Europe also has its share of numerous rain folklore. In Greek mythology, the Hyades were rain nymphs. These were the daughters of Atlas. You've heard of him. I sure have. Now, do you know why why they're why why the the rain nymphs are hyads? Because they sure as shit weren't dryads. <laughs> now you make now you make a pun that I made a pun. Come on, <laughs> you gotta like now you set the bar. <laughs> they all started out as dryads. Yeah. Till I came into the room. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, These were also the sisters to the Hesperides. They were associated with a constellation in the head of Taurus and the heliacal rising and setting of the Hyades star cluster were always attended with rain. Pretty pretty, pretty good. During a period of spring or summer drought, Uh, It was the custom in many Balkan villages, moving on, for a group of local girls to undress and then put on various combinations of leaves, sprigs, blossoms, flowers, and herbs to perform the rain-making ceremony. (laughs) Yeah! This tradition was called Dodola, or sometimes Perperuna. Led by an older girl or a young woman who had also been dressed or decorated in this way, the girls then went in procession through their village and stopped in front of houses to perform dances and sing songs, which included formulaic refrains, all the while calling upon the heavens to send down rain. The housewives poured water over the leader of the troop, and sometimes the girls themselves sprinkled water over the courtyards using bundles of sprigs and leaves. They were then rewarded by the householders with flour, the ground up, ground up, yeah, yeah, wheat, or food, and sometimes straight up money. Make it rain. I've also heard that just anybody would sprinkle any of them with water as they came by. It's a real sexy episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's weird. In many areas, the role passed gradually to the Romanis, more colloquially and insultingly uh, called the gypsies. Oh, the Romas. Yeah. So they took it up exclusively. And, uh, you know, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong. I, I'm not sure if it's Dodola or Dodola or Dodola. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, when those people come flying out of the time machine and are mad at you, we'll know. <laughs> that's, that's the only way we learn. Uh, the leading rain maiden has been variously described as being from a poor and humble family, as a pauper, an orphan, a non-privileged person, and as the youngest daughter of a widow who never remarried and was past childbearing age. There is general emphasis on her lowliness, modesty, and purity, and she always went barefoot, perhaps to emphasize her humility or rather humbleness and, more simply, her direct connection with the soil. In certain areas, to be a rain maiden even became a seasonal profession for Romani girls and young women, which involved them... 
uh, traveling around to perform the ceremonies for various village communities. What if they were born in the wagon of a traveling show? The mamas would dance for the money <laughs> they'd, they'd throw. throw. Papa would goo whatever he could. He'd uh, goo it so hard. <laughs> I did say goo. Sorry. Uh, that's so gross. <laughs> I, uh, I will say this. Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. I think I think it is my favorite share song. Might be one of the most common songs that we've referenced on this show. It's because I love it so much. Sell a couple Bibles. Sell a couple marbles? Bibles. Oh, yeah. Drink a couple bottles of Dr. Good. Yeah, it's, it's preach a little gospel. Oh, Sell a couple good. bottles of Dr. Good. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Sell Bibles. Do you even... Preach, <laughs> preach Dr. Dr. Pepper, whatever. Do you even know where she met the boy? It was just <laughs> south of Mobile. She gave him a ride and filled him with a hot meal. She was 16. He was 21, dude. He rode with us to Memphis, and Papa would have shot him if he knew what he'd done. He could. He was too busy gooing. <laughs> Jesus, we'll never get through this. Moving on. Kaloyan is a similar ritual found mostly in Wallachia, the southern part of Romania. Which, which should sound familiar. Does that sound familiar? How does that sound familiar, Dave? Sounds like Dracula territory. It was. Vlad the Impaler's kingdom. Mm -hmm. Young girls make one to several clay dolls resembling male figures, most important being either father of the sun or the mother of dragons. Uh, I'm sorry, the mother of the rain. (laughs) Depending on the purpose of the ritual, this doll is dressed in common clothes, placed on a wooden board or in an improvised tree bark coffin, ornamented with flowers, and so pursues a mock-up of the traditional burial ritual officiated by children. Yes, the children must make watch. The suite marches through crop fields around watercourses and wells until the Kaloyan gets to be buried. After three days, the Kaloyan is unearthed, returned to the village, and mourned again until it is finally set loose to float on the water of a river, a lake, or thrown into a well. Now, we're going to purposefully, I think... Stay away from talking about too many gods, like Thor, or we'd be here all day. We're already going to be here all day if we're singing yeah, was, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. I know, I know. So we could go into like, oh, this is the god of rain for this culture. This is the god of rain. But <laughs> we, we don't need to because there's only one true god, and his name is Dracolor. He lives in this lake over here. Dracolor. <laughs> um, that was a really great, uh, I hope I hope anybody caught that. That was a... Uh, a really wonderful old um, the state sketch. Hmm. Tom Lennon just was an old man whittling. Call me old fashioned, but I believe there's only one true God, <laughs> and his name's Drekthar, and he lives in this lake over here. <laughs> Japan has a large and varied history of rain making rituals. In one rather disturbing account, Among the high mountains of Japan, there's a district in which, if rain has not fallen for a long time, a party of villagers goes in procession to the bed of a mountain torrent headed by a priest who leads a black dog. At the chosen spot, they tether the beast to a stone and make it a target for their bullets and arrows. Oh. When its lifeblood bespatters the rocks... Oh, yeah. Try to class it up by saying bespatters. <laughs> yeah. Way to pinkies out your, your animal abuse. The peasants throw down their weapons and lift up their voices in supplication to the dragon divinity of the stream, exhorting him to send down forthwith 
a shower to cleanse the spot from its defilement. Custom has prescribed that on these occasions the color of the victim shall be black as an emblem of the wished-for rain clouds, but if fine weather is wanted, the victim must be white without a spot. Uh, People in Kanagawa and western Tokyo believed that if the top of the mountain was veiled by clouds, it would rain momentarily. During a long spell of dry weather, they offered a prayer and petition for rainfall to Sekisan, a shrine at the top of the mountain, as if Sekisan had been a rain doctor. Hmm. That's just part of it. Oh my gosh. Especially since these beliefs and these practices were medieval and and, and backwards, you know? Keep Well, keep in mind this. On back in history. The, the majority of these things, they, they always, the underlying current is fear. You know, I mean, people don't casually pray for rain. They yeah. need rain. Right. You know, like they need crops to work. You know, so this is this is always something done out of you know. There's there's fear and anxiety and and I think a lot of that bleeds into the ritual at that point. That oh, absolutely. That, that this has to work. So we're really we're we're gonna we're gonna go the extra the extra mile. You know, we're. We really, we, we do that thing in the spring where we hope the crops turn out well. You know, we try hard, but for this, we really need this to work. So we'll go, yeah, we'll really yeah. dig in. We'll, we'll kill a damn dog. Yeah. We will kill a dog. The hard us. way. Ugh. But, but elegantly, besplatteredly. Let's get into America. The Native American rain dance was the most common among the Native American tribes in the Southwest of America. Since during the summers there, they would have long droughts. Makes sense. Yep. The Hopi, the Zuni, the Pueblo, and the Apache performed it in the Southwest, and the Cherokee had one they performed in the Southeast. Right. I mean, the um, uh, Mesa Verde, the Anasazi Indians, they- Green table. They got, like, the reason that that's abandoned now is because of, of water. They moved into the area during a particularly lush weather cycle that mm. lasted- you know, a, a fair amount of time. I, I, I think maybe as much as a hundred years, but maybe less than that, between sixty and a hundred years, somewhere like that. And uh, and then when they came out of that into not even even to a drought cycle necessarily, but just a more regular average rainfall for that that region, not enough water to support them. They had right. to leave. I learned that in uh, Collapse. It's a Jared Diamond's book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that one of those lost tribes of the Southwest? Mm-hmm. things yep. that, that people were like, all these places in the side of the mountain were abandoned. Yep. And- that's Mesa Verde. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, there's when, when they really sit down and look at it, there's, it's, there's no shortage of, of very obvious reasons that for the, the population that that area was supporting, not to mention the people that weren't in Mesa Verde itself, but in the surrounding areas, um, it's an arid sort of area anyway. Um, would, extraordinarily hard to get after sure. a while. You know, it's, it's, it's the same problem that, that Cahokia ran into. It's the same problem that a lot of these, um, these larger gatherings ran into. Um, not only were there problems with sanitation, but you simply, you know, how far out are you sending people to hunt and to mm-hmm. get materials and how long is it worth it to have them go all the way out and come all the way back just so that you can have an address where your mail gets sent to. Yeah. How much of a pain in the ass is it to send your team on an away game and, you yeah, play chunky and that's right around St. Louis, and then you got to go back to Phoenix and like. Well, and nobody wanted to play in Colorado because of the altitude. 
but then nobody wanted to play against Colorado teams because they were so used to it. So they go, they go down in elevation. They're just like, just sucking up this high oxygen rich environment. It was unfair. Yeah. Yeah. So they disbanded that team. They, they relocated them to LA. The Phoenix Rainmakers. That's right. <laughs> That's the next chunky team. That's right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Maze Gobblers, Chert Barons, Rainmakers. I need one more team. We can't just have an odd number. No, no, we can't. Cause we need a, a Eastern conference and a Western. That's conference. right. That's exactly why <laughs> we'll come back to it. Hey, you know what? No, you tell us. Write us in. We're we're trying to expand the uh, the chunky league. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to get two expansion teams. That's right. That way we can like, we can petition cities for uh, huge huge tax breaks and get some stadiums built. Yeah, Santa Fe Snake Dancers. Mm, I like do that. that. That this is a that's a good segue. I, I for feel what's like I up. feel like the Snake Dancers is is far too easy to make fun of or draw pictures of. Mm. Yeah, we shouldn't do something that's easy on us. No. Just trying to get stuff set up. Here's the thing. These these rain dances were performed by both the men and women of the tribes, unlike other tribal rituals where only men were allowed. Mm-hmm. Evidence on how each rain dance was performed is passed down through oral tradition. The steps of the rain dance itself are quite intricate, and unlike circle dances, which are seen in many Native American ceremonies, the men and women stood in separate lines and made zigzagging patterns. David Herbert Lawrence described a particular ceremony in his late 19th century book, The Hopi Snake Dance, saying, From 1880 to 1920, the Hopi Snake and Antelope Ceremony, popularly known as the Snake Dance, was far and away the most widely depicted Southwest Native American ritual usually performed in August to ensure abundant rainfall for the corn crops. It was only one ritual in the round of ceremonies that Hopis enacted throughout the year, but because it involved the handling of live snakes, it was the ceremony most often described by non-Indian observers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you you start picking up rattlesnakes or any snakes. It was rattlesnakes. Yeah, sure. You're going to. You're going to draw some attention. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, I read that they would dance with them in their mouths. And, and it goes on. Uh, this dance requires two weeks of ritual preparation. You're just trying to psych yourself up to handle a goddamn snake. <laughs> yeah, put, to put a rattlesnake in your mouth. <laughs> During which time the snakes are gathered and watched over by children until time for the dance. On the last day of the 16-day celebration, the dance is performed. By percentage of the local snake population, most are rattlesnakes, but all are handled freely. These types of ceremonies were performed to ask the spirits or gods to send rain for the tribe's crops. Some tribes wear large headdresses, while others wear masks. Accessories often included paint on the body, beads, animal skins, horse and goat hair, feathers, embroidered aprons, jewelry made of leather, silver, and turquoise. Feathers in the color blue are often found in dress and accessories. In dress and accessories. Found in dress, etc., etc. Found in dress and accessories, symbolizing the wind and rain, respectively. Now, I'll say this. You say mask, I hear snake helmet. Some guy figured out, no, no, guys, it's... (laughs) It's even more powerful if I'm wearing this wooden mask. Right. Yeah, no, no worry. The snake right in the mouth. Yep. I got it. Put him right here. Put <laughs> yeah. two. I don't yeah. care. And um, covering my upper body with uh, pelts and <laughs> beads. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm psyched up. Two weeks, I'm ready. Yeah. Give me that 
put that put that snake in my mouth. I can't wait. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I mean, I don't know how many people have out there handled snakes, uh, but they stink. They release like smells and stuff when, when you start jostling them. I wouldn't want that in my mouth at all. Yeah. Reptiles in general are. How hard do you bite down on know. a snake while you're dancing? Pretty bite it, bite it uh, hard enough to um, let it know who's boss. <laughs> do you, do you want, I want the snake to think he's the boss. I want the snake to be calm and feeling in charge of things. Like this is what he wanted to have happen. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you got to keep the snake in your mouth. It's embarrassing and it's only going to get dirtier if it falls out. So how hard do you bite down on a rattlesnake in your mouth? Even with your uh, snake helmet <laughs> mask. <laughs> Gee, these are questions we'll never have answers to. The, these special clothes and accessories, were, which were worn during the rain dance, were generally not worn at other times of the year, but rather were stored for this specific ceremony. And uh, I got a got an example of a type of rain dance in a uh, in it, it's in a performance setting. It's a mm-hmm. recent thing, but um, uh, apparently it's it's a type of rain dance that may or may not have been performed. Okay, is it from Flash Dance? Well, because that one worked. There goes the surprise. <laughs> she. The minute her butt gets in that chair, skadoosh. Coke snort at the end there. It kind of, uh, I kind of sounded a little bit like a military cadence to me. Yeah. And again, I don't know if this is a true rendition of, of what, you know, would be going on for a, a rain dance or if it's just like, oh, we're going to, we're going to throw a presentation together, call it a rain dance and, right. And, and get everybody off our backs kind of thing. <laughs> I don't mean to sound disrespectful or anything, but I think that there aren't, uh, I, I couldn't find that uh, any good, like specific rain dance right. uh, examples. I thought I'd be able to. I guess I'm just uh, terrible. Just uh, just terrible. But hopefully that gives you some idea. Yeah. I, come on. That was great. Got a story here from uh, some Native American folklore. And this one is called How Rain Became Wet. Because uh, it's made of water at the end. Jeez. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> this one uh, features our old buddy, Coyote. Ooh. Sorry. I meant Coyote. 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 <laughs> In the beginning of the world, there were many, many people, and the people held councils to decide how things should be. There was one man named Coyote who always had something to say on every subject. At one council, this question came up. How and what kind of rain should be in the world? One of the men said it should be rain in the form of lead balls, which would be very dangerous, and so when the rain came, the people would have to stay at home. <laughs> then Coyote rose from his seat and said, If it should rain nothing but lead, it would be very dangerous for my people because they do not stay at home very much. And as for myself, I might be carrying a big deer to my family to eat when the rain begins to fall and I would certainly be killed. I say let it rain in drops of water. Then we can be caught out in the rain and get very wet. 
but we will soon be dry again, and the wedding will be good for us. The people accepted Coyote's suggestion, and so it is that it rings in the form of water. Nice. Thanks, Coyote. I've got a story here. Yeah? Yeah, and this one's a little more up my alley. We've got a little entomological. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one's called How the Beetle Produced Rain. How the how the beetles produced rain and not oh, the beetles. I thought you oh. liked some precipitation. <laughs> Core blimey. In Oribi they were living, and at the Hohoya village lived the Hohoyatu, certain black beetles. It was always hot and the wind was blowing, and it did not rain. As these beetles drank rainwater, they became very thirsty. Some became so thirsty that they died. So their chief said one time, Let us have a dance, and perhaps if we dance, it will rain. Because if it does not rain, we shall all die. Pretty good reasoning. Uh, yeah. A followed by B, then C. Yeah, th- there was certain, uh, there's kind of a speed racer cadence to this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let us have a dance, and perhaps if we dance, it will rain. Because if it does not rain, we will all die. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and keeping the speed racer motif going very well we shall have a dance they said and maybe it will rain then and we shall not die <laughs> man well, people need to check the trunk because there's a child and a monkey back there <laughs> so one evening they assembled to practice for the dance and their chief made a little song for them this they were practicing they practiced a while in the evening and then they went to sleep this story brought to you by the word practice <laughs> practice. We need to do something because otherwise you're going to die. Uh, the next day they were going to have their dance. Early in the morning they got up and their chief made four nakwakosis for them. He deposited the nakwakosis west of their little village and spoke to the clouds in the San Francisco mountains saying, We are thirsty here, so you come quickly this way and bring us some water that we may drink and not die. Oh. Uh-huh. So he returned to their village and they dressed up for the dance. They painted their bodies black and then they danced. Okay. <laughs> They were in a hurry because they were thirsty. Yeah. The old thirsty hurry. <laughs> Their chief began to pray to the clouds of the San Francisco mountains. Come this way quickly and bring us water. So they were formed in a line now, and one of them acted as leader. By this time, a cloud was forming in the mountains. Now they sang the following song. Yuqua, yuqua, ya ya rain, rain. Ihi aha ihi. Spirited, very spirited, old well, chap. I'm in. I'm on thin ice here. <laughs> you just. I gotta just. Just do it as a. I mean, you, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't dive in on this. Okay. I just have to play the ball. Because there's lies. no rain, you might die. <laughs> so Better true. dance. I'm in a hurry because I'm thirsty. Okay. <laughs> Thirst hurry. As they were singing, the clouds came nearer, and it began to rain and thunder, and the water began to fall, so that they could now drink. When they had quenched their thirst, they were very happy and ran about because they were no longer thirsty. The, the end. end. <laughs> well, there you go. There's there's a story for you. Yeah, I hope that cleared it up. So in that uh, in that clip I played, you might have heard some instruments uh, instrumentation in there, like drums and foot scuffles, drums, foot scuffles, and some pitter patters, uh, which may have been um, part of. The, the ritual of calling for rain involving these little things called rain sticks. Never heard of them? These are long, hollowed plant stalks, which, when turned or shaken, produces a pattering sound similar to rain. It's believed they were used historically in rituals to summon rain, uh, but stories concerning the origin of the rain stick are numerous. 
Some say that the instrument was invented by the Aztecs and that it later spread throughout Central and South America. This is probably not the case since rain sticks are not found archaeologically or in Spanish accounts, however. Furthermore, the Aztec Empire was short-lived and came late in the history of the Americas. It's more likely, as reported by some musicians from Mexico who recall the event, that the rain stick was introduced into popular Mexican music uh, sometime in the 1960s. Whoa, that's much more recent. Mm-hmm. The same may be true for the Diaguita Indians of Chile. Uh, some historians believe rain sticks were an idea introduced by enslaved African peoples, uh, tubular rattles pierced with iron nails are common in West Africa, especially among the Togo and Pangui. And as early as 1619, 50% of the 6,000 inhabitants of Lima, Peru were enslaved people from West Africa. Oh, do you know that? I did not know that. It is likely that the indigenous peoples of South America, especially the hunter gatherers of the upper Amazon, the farmers of the Northern Chile and Argentina, would have come in contact with these slaves beginning around 1537 because of trade routes running through these areas. The indigenous people could easily have adopted the idea of piercing the tubular rattle with thorns to create a new sound and instrument. And here's what one sounds like. Never, never knew that. Never would have thought that. Yeah. Never, never knew. Because, you know, you you think in in that terrible day and age everyone was brought to america well that's at least thirty thousand, according to this source that uh went to peru god that's yeah and and uh you just i don't know you it's it's of course everyone everyone wants slaves i guess <laughs> i guess i'm uh, gonna talk about stones which you wouldn't think of for rain but stones are often supposed to possess the property of bringing on rain provided they be dipped in water or sprinkled with it or treated in some other appropriate manner. Uh, in a Samoan village, a certain stone was carefully housed as the representative of the rain-making god, and in time of drought, his priests carried the stone in procession and dipped it in a stream. Among the Tatathi tribe of New South Wales, the rainmaker breaks off a piece of quartz crystal and spits it towards the sky. The rest of the crystal he wraps in emu feathers, soaks both crystal and feathers in water, and carefully hides them. In the Karaman tribe of New South Wales, the wizard retires to the bed of a creek, drops water on a round, flat stone, then covers up and conceals it. Among some tribes of northwestern Australia, the rainmaker repairs to a piece of ground which is set apart for the purpose of rainmaking. There he builds a heap of stones or sand places on the top of it his magic stone and walks or dances around the pile, chanting his incantations for hours till sheer exhaustion obliges him to desist when his place is taken by his assistant. And he probably uh, has visions of the afterlife right. and all manner of... Yeah, that's a trancy kind of thing. Water is sprinkled on the stone and huge fires are kindled. No layman may approach the sacred spot while the mystic ceremony is being performed. Uh, when the Sulka of New Britain wish to procure rain, they blacken stones with the ashes of certain fruits and set them out, along with certain other plants and buds, in the sun. Then a handful of, tri- of twigs is dipped in water and weighted with stones while the spell is chanted. After that, rain should follow. Yeah, sol- solved it. Easy as that. The ancient Roman ceremony of the 
aqualysium is designed to produce rain after a long drought. This is a fun one. In ancient times, the ceremony consisted in a procession headed by the pontifices, which bore the sacred rainstone. It's a, this is a big hunk of lapis manalis um, from its resting place by the Porta Capena up to the capital where offerings were made to the sky god Jupiter together with a symbolic ritual of pouring water over the stone. So they need water, they haul a big stone out, and they yeah. pour water on it. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes money to make money. A similar rain charm and ceremony was practiced in the curious ritual of the Argiorum Sacra, which involved throwing puppets of straw into the river Tiber as a symbolic wetting of the crops. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, from stones you get rain. Yeah, so so now that we know the tools of the trade, you know, what if we want to know the trade of the trade? You want to you want to know some of the some some I of the wanna, hidden. I want to look mysticals? behind the curtain. I want to see you know, maybe maybe I'm so desperate for rain that I'm willing to say shoo some of my hard and uh, closely held beliefs, and maybe I'm willing to make a deal with Doc and the fairy's powers. Maybe I am myself willing to dabble in that which is known as witchcraft. I think we can make an arrangement here. I'm glad to hear that because also I want to worship a demon. <laughs> yeah, witchcraft has always had weather magics in its repertoire. From Francesco Guazzo's Compendium Maleficarum in 1608. Witches can control not only rain and hail and wind, but even lightning with the gods' permission. That's a weak witch. In Return to the Islands by Arthur Grimble. In reference to his colonial service in the Gilbert Islands. He's the grimbliest grimbler. (laughs) Grimble, 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 grimble. Uh, My adoption away back in uh, 1918 into the Tawara sect of the royal and priestly clan of Karangoa has given me the right to practice the magic of rain-making and rain-dismissing, incidentally also of eclipse undoing, whenever the fancy took me. Bully, 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 bully. White magic, through enlisting the beneficent divine name, Jesus, was practiced even in the Bible. Samuel, for instance, was able to produce a thunderstorm against the warring Philistines. From 1 Samuel, is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. It's in the Bible. Well, yeah, they also were afraid because they were supposed to be out harvesting wheat all day. Now it's raining? What? (laughs) Witches and wizards appealed to occult spirits summoned by the sorcerer to invoke rain, many times invoking help from Verkan, Belfagan, or Asmodeus, or the satanic majesty in his multiple ethnic variations and to his numberless host of satellites. Finally, someone paying tribute to his satanic majesty. (laughs) Many's the document or description of spell work that leaves out our dark master, the father of lies, the great unclean one, the many-handed sunderers, fine and glorious name left without it. I spent all of my attention on coming up with like six names for the devil. Yeah, you did it. (laughs) I guess those are names of demons too, huh? 
Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we're coming around to that. I've got a, such a great list of demons with the sigils of their summoning. Each tribal group, each ethnic culture employed in the succession of the ages, its own techniques of approach to the powerful spirits. Thus, among the Semites of the first century BCE, there was a certain Judaic thaumaturgist, Hone Ha Maago, standing within the protective area of a magically circumscribed circle. He called down rain from the heavens. And according to legend, he was so successful that he was called what, Dave? Well, they called him the circle draw. Step aside, people. Make some room. The circle draw is coming into town. (laughs) Hope you got your umbrellas ready. You know, the guy that calls rain? Yeah. Call him the circle drawer. That's his cool street name. (laughs) Druids, according to one legend, once performed a unique ritual involving a nude maiden nice they sprinkled water over her uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this device of sympathetic magic brought in the rain clouds that's mm. all you got to do that's all we got to do in one tasty medieval inducement to rain a white cock was to be killed whoa after it was torn apart the entrails were extracted then the carcass was filled with myrrh white pepper frankincense milk and wine oh there's nothing like a chicken shake the cock was then held toward the sun while an incantation was chanted. Rain followed, and so did a delicious meal, I, I, uh, I think. No? Well, I don't think I don't think rooster is what you want to eat. Cock meat doesn't taste good. Touche, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Did you see what it no, but for real, I don't think you're supposed to eat roosters. Or or I don't know. I don't think I've ever eaten a rooster, but I think generally people don't. I think it's the hens that are the eaters. I see. And in Malaysia, if a woman puts on her head an inverted pot and sits it on the ground and fills it with water and washed a cat in it until the cat is almost half drowned, heavy rains are soon to follow. Yeah, well, you gotta, you gotta, you know, that's pretty, pretty straightforward. You just gotta half drown a cat and you're good to go. Yeah. I, I might be wrong about that rooster thing the more I think about it. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know anything. I just, I don't think I've ever eaten a rooster. Yeah. I don't think people genuinely do. I don't know. Maybe the rooster is the best eating. Maybe I can't afford a rooster. Could be it. I've just been eating cheap ass lady chickens. <laughs> so, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Did wanna wanna conjure a storm? No way. I'm not. I'm not touching any of your dark filth. Okay. Okay. You know what? I changed my mind. All right. Let's let's. If I can summon a demon a day, I can bring in a rainstorm. I think so. Here's what you need. You need a broom. Don't have one. The plant. Okay. It's a it's a gorse type plant with prickly yellow flowers. Yeah, I don't have one of those. Okay. What else? Need rice? I don't have any. Salt? Not with me. Water? Oh, some. Small bowl? Yeah, but that's my rice bowl. I keep that motherfucker empty. And a red candle? Yeah, I don't have one of those. Well, the red candle's for lightning. If you don't want lightning, don't use the candle. Well, that's fine. I don't even want lightning. All right. Here we go. Instructions. Ready? Yeah. Light the candle. Uh, okay. You don't, you don't have a candle. I don't have a candle. Pour the water into the bowl. I'll pretend to. And say this. Rains of time, for what it's worth, empty thine eyes upon this earth. Stir the water with a spoon. Don't have one. Imagine a huge storm cell forming. Okay. Place the broom into the water. Don't have it. Broom brings the winds. Say this. Winds shall follow effortlessly, tearing through every limb of tree. 
Continue to stir the mixture, imagining the storm getting bigger. Okay. Add the rice. Don't have any. This is to cause the downpour, so you don't have to say anything for the rice. Just start stirring really fast. Add the hot wax from the candle. Don't have a candle. And say, Lightning strike, quick and long. Make it last. Make it strong. Add the salt. The salt seals. I don't have any, don't have any salt. It, well, it seals the mixture, and then you can say, By the powers of three times three, let it be. Let it be, let it be. I want some precipitation on me. Really, really was the Beatles causing it to rain. Yeah. Take the mixture and throw it outside into the wind. <laughs> now, if I were you, I would seriously make a protection mixture and sprinkle it on your window sills. Oh, they tell me at the end I've already thrown this thing. <laughs> I don't even know how to make it. <laughs> 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 oh, way to go, witchcraft. You couldn't put an asterisk at the front like, hey, you might need this when you're done. <laughs> Dickweeds. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> That's great. That is glorious. Thunder sound. Yeah. We would have hunched ourselves in the dick if we yeah, hadn't I know. forgotten I, I just that. thought of that. Yeah. Wow. Or <clears throat> red candle sound. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> didn't have one. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. How about we? Uh, how about we tell a scary story on rain? Okay. Got a story here from Creepy Pasta. Ooh la la! I would read this, but I really, really effed my voice just now by summoning the rain. This is also uh, pared down a little bit from from the actual post. Oh, so, thank so God! Hit it in here, but ain't nobody got time for that. The Rain Man is said to be a myth of a personification of the rain, or of a rain god. His appearances are few and far between. Not much is known about the Rain Man, since the reports of him generally only explain him standing still, staring idly at the witness. One feature is certain about him, his eyes. They appear to be oversized or inhumanly wide, like headlights. They also lack pupils or irises. Yeah. Some reports say that they have the ability to light up an area, like a lantern. He also has a theme of long, dark, usually black, hair, draped over his face in a similar manner to Ju-On, which is the same thing that was on The Grudge. Oh, right. That's what you meant. That Japanese horror movie. Uh, but if the hair's draped over his face, how do you see the headlight eyes? There is only one sign of his coming. Excessive rain. In every single report and sighting, there has been continuous rain and small flooding for a minimum of three days before sightings occurred. More recently, the rain man has been sighted in North America, England, France, and Australia. Crikey. In the 1870s, there were reports all around Central Europe of a man in the rain. Usually, this would be considered fairly normal, if not for his unmoving stature. He wears drab clothes that are usually hard to identify beyond a long dust coat and pants. He is described to have the appearance of a balding man with dark-colored hair, white skin, and distinct eyes. Most reports claim them to be unnaturally large, like headlights with cat-like pupils, or no pupils and irises at all. In occult history, 
The Rain Man is said to move with the rain clouds, giving them feeling like an avatar. During World War I, a German infantry division was in the midst of a muddy firefight. In the chaos, the captain was writing a message to send back to Berlin about the division's progress. The firefight had been intermittent, lasting several days. Rain had been pouring down frequently, filling the trenches. The soldier wrote in his journal, I was writing my letter requesting for reinforcement two days ago, when all of the sudden, a gunshot stopped. Complete silence, as if a droning record skipped the beat. For a moment, I thought the firefight had ended, but it was far too abrupt. The rain was the only sound I could hear. I was tempted to fall asleep, but not once I saw him. I noticed as the gunfire stopped that there was more light behind me, as if someone had walked in with a torch. But when I turned around to see the soldier, I saw no such thing. Only two yellow eyes and ash-black coat. I pulled out my bayonet and challenged him. Hey. Hey, fun boy. You want to play Pokey Pokey? <laughs> the only sound I heard was the rain intensifying, and the man turned and left, gliding out into the trenches. I followed, but as soon as I went out, I was greeted with deafening gunfire once again, and no ash black man. A police report was made during the 1970s. Yeah, it was nighttime, raining. Would have been the perfect time for a crook to jump out and mug somebody. It was about five feet visibility. We were searching for this guy that supposedly robbed shops at this time. Me and that douchebag Harrison were patrolling around, walking towards the corner on the block with no one in sight, and suddenly, like it, like magic, the, this crook ran from straight behind us. We were about to chase his ass down when he landed on his back. He'd run into this strong man wearing a tank top, leather jacket, and long hair. We assumed he's just some random man wandering the streets till we saw his eyes. They were blank, white, white as a sheet of f***ing paper. He just stood there as this criminal was throwing insults at him. You f***ing hide on. Which gave us time to cuff him and head back to the car. When I looked back, the guy was f***ing gone. I still have no idea where he could have gone. There's no doors or alleys for at least 50 yards. And he was nowhere to be seen running off or anything. He just f***ing vanished. What the f***? Hey, don't, don't worry about it, Paul. He was probably just like, I don't know. Oh, shut the f*** up, was Harrison. He was a man pro, all right? He thought you were going to pop him for selling. Selling that ass. <laughs> You're a f***ing douchebag, Harrison. He was a Harrison. bro-ho, faux show. He's a good guy. Say hi to your mother for me. Whether a legend or an actual entity, the Rain Man does not seem to have good intentions. Some stories end innocently enough, but some have more sinister ends. And it's whispered among believers what happens when he shows up. First you will hear rain, intense rain. Then you'll hear footsteps. Intense footsteps. Bootsteps. Which are intense footsteps. Your home will creak and moan, even if it's brand new. As the drenched man enters your house, you will open the door as if it was unlocked. You will hear the water drip from his coat to the floor. Intensely. The footsteps will get closer as he approaches you. I, I would I would assume the footsteps to get closer as he approaches me. But stay in bed. Pretend you're asleep. Listen to the rain. 
And if you dare look at the Rain Man in the eyes, you're already done for. Ah, the Rain Man, eh? That's right. Well, so, let's do this. Let's let's swap it up a little bit. Let's let's take it into the new era, not the new millennium, not that far. Nope. Dave, what do you what do you got for us? Let's let's talk some science about this kind of stuff. I'm I'm tired of the folklore. Well, no, you're going to get more folklore. I'm never tired of folklore. <laughs> I was just kidding anyway. So, uh, rainmaking kind of. Um, it hit a, a peak in the, the 1800s and up into the 1930s with the Dust Bowl. Uh, I mean, there was a guy who worked through Kansas uh, in the 1890s known as Melbourne the Rain Wizard. <laughs> um, a lot of these guys kind of operated under the, the same system. They would, um, they would have chemicals. They each had their own special concoction. It would evaporate. It was supposed to go up and, and create rain. Mm-hmm. And if there was rain, they would get paid. Uh, and this was a, a pretty... You know, common practice. It, it it came in and out of styles. Matter of fact, it even had a little resurgence in the 1950s. But of these traveling men who swore they had the direct channel, they could make uh, the rain happen when they wanted because they understood how it worked. Uh, they called it a ton of different things. Um, they were uh, cloud shakers. Uh, so, <laughs> sometimes, like when they were really going for the the, the professor the professor science man approach, they uh, they called it. Luva culture. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Really catchy. Uh, and there are some Cloud really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Rainmakers. There is a, a really uh, interesting story. Um, and I'll, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, but the mind palace is a really great podcast and they do a great story about this guy. A guy named uh, Charles, Charles Mallory Hatfield was a, a fairly famous rainmaker. As a matter of fact, the Who's movie, a, what? a rainmaker, heartbreaker, okay. What, what kind of rainmaker? Fairly famous one. Fairly famous. Oh, f**k. I'm not there. I wasn't there. Deep I wasn't. Cut. You you tried to shove my face into it, and I wouldn't sniff it. Uh, so right tr- with you. you got no nose. <laughs> he, uh, as a matter of fact, the movie The Rainmaker uh-huh. from the in the fifties, oh. uh, nineteen fifty eight, I think it was. Not the George Clooney one. No, is based on this guy. Wait, that's Peacemaker. Oh, Never mind. Come on. I think there was a rainmaker in recent times. Don't don't matter none, and he uh, he would study pluva culture. Uh, he had his own uh, he had his own kind of system his 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 secret mix, and he would take this out. And part of the scam flammery of this is that it's it's very difficult to prove. How do you know how much rain was going to arrive? So how do you know if these guys affect rain? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a problem that we have even to this day. But uh, so what would happen is he would. Uh, mix up his uh, his chemicals in a big evaporation tank and let them all disperse. And, you know, if there was rain in the next county, you say, oh, well, the wind carried it over there. Sure. Um, you know, sorry, but, you know, it worked. just didn't work here. And you can collect money from that. Now, Hatfield got himself in a lot of weird trouble in the city of San Diego. <laughs> and this was back in... 2014. This was in 1915. Now, he had already made a name for himself in uh, in L.A., also up in the Yukon Territory. <laughs> uh, I mean, he traveled a lot, and he'd, he'd gotten paid. West Coast. Uh, Yukon was sort of a wash. He, he was supposed to get $10,000. He ended up getting 1100 for expenses, and then he skipped town. <laughs> wow. But it, it's like anything else. And, uh, you know, internet, you know, this, this sort of thing could still happen today because the people who believe 
will manufacture the excuse for him. You know, he didn't, even when he failed to create rain, the believers, you know, right. were like, oh, you know, no, that's why it didn't work. He's right. the best. And um, so finally he, he runs up, uh, up against the city of San Diego and he tells them, he tells them that not only will he fill their reservoir, his initial plan was tell you what, I won't charge you anything for rain unless it's over 40 inches. Oh, geez. Right. I mean, he's like, I'm going to, you want rain? You don't pay me unless you get rain with a capital R. <laughs> with a capital F and a capital U. Now, at which point, though, he would charge $1,000 per inch up to 50 inches, and then it's free again. Wow. Um, so he's just functionally saying, I'm going to bring this much rain or it's free, but if I bring a lot of rain, uh, you owe me $10,000. Until I bring this much rain and then- right. It's free again. Um, and I imagine him trying to, okay, no, no, this is, this is our, this is our rain pro family plus package. Okay. Up to here, you know, 39 inches, you don't pay a thing. What if I only get 42 inches? You owe me $2,000. You understand there's two inches above 40. That's $2,000, everybody. Uh, so he goes through this and they, the council voted four to one and they say, fine, we'll give you, uh, $10,000 when you, when you fill our reservoir. He's like, you got it. Let's do this. <laughs> and he, he sets to work. And uh, on January 5th, 1916, it started to rain and it didn't stop. Oh, no. And it rained and it rained. It started to destroy bridges, f***ed up trains. The, the It destroyed or, or it overflowed the Sweetwater Dam and the Lower Ote Lake uh, Dam. It was not Ote. It was not Ote. <laughs> And then uh, the <laughs> truly not okay, okay, because it then broke, killed 20 people, ultimately resulting in about $3.5 million worth of damage. And but how many inches? Well, well over 50. Oh, okay. Free. <laughs> right. So as you can imagine, now there's a little dispute between Hatfield and this city council, the San Diego city council, because he's like, hey, as promised. Give me my 10 G's. They're like, there's $3.5 million worth of, da- of damage. <laughs> um, and so we ain't it, giving you <laughs> shit. The court rules. It's an act of God, but the city council straight up says, all right, buddy, if you sign this paper saying you are responsible for <laughs> oh, what happened geez. here, of course we'll pay you your money and him realizing, well, then I'm on the hook for all this damage. Right. I can't do it. Um, you know, and, and if he did, then he has to go to in court of law and say like, well, no, I'm not that response. You know, like they, they, they caught him, yeah. they caught him and, and he ended up leaving town. So, um, anyway, that's kind of a, a fun story. These guys, and there's, there's many of them that kind of moved from town to town and, and operated this very similar, uh, kind of scam and just to hope that it worked. <laughs> um, but, and, and like I said, there was a little resurgence in the fifties. Um, but then actual cloud seeding came along. Yeah. Um, and this is the, what, what is, what is important is you're, you're giving clouds condensation nuclei, which naturally is, is anything dust, a pre- already frozen particle, uh, it, a lot of bacteria, anything small that it can all form around. And so, uh, there's a, a number of different, uh, chemicals, including just regular salt, um, mm-hmm. silver iodide, potassium iodide, uh, dry ice. Just a solid carbon dioxide, throw that up in there. In some cases, liquid propane. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
whatever it takes to get up into the clouds, not only does it give the cloud something to form around, but it also can, uh, condenses the, the liquid in the cloud. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the thing, the, the big debate here, like I said earlier is does this, I mean, it, you can, you can get a, a cloud to rain when you want. Is it going to rain more? Well, that's impossible to know because you never knew what was actually going to fall out in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so it, it does give you some measure of control. You can, you can find a cloud. If there are clouds that are going to rain, you can affect when they rain. You can, you can speed that up. Yeah. Um, for example, that's why I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, the Beijing Olympics. Uh, the Chinese government loaded artillery guns and they were bombarding because there was supposed to be a huge downpour the night of the opening games. And uh, interesting fun fact, the, the bird nest, you know, the big Beijing Olympic stadium, right. uh, it was originally supposed to have a roof, but the price of steel skyrocketed and they were like, Fuck it, no roof. Wow. Yeah. That, that's why there's no roof on it. So then um, the Chinese government was like, well, then they, then it can't rain can fix it. Yeah. Now here's the interesting thing. The Chinese government actually does this on the reg for their, their holiday national day is October 1st every year. So it's just around the corner. They actually regularly do this cloud seeding. They, they blast all the clouds because then it, it causes it to rain. The rain scrubs the pollution out. So on the national day, there's no haze. It's wow. a nice, clear, beautiful day. This is a thing they've done for a long time. So they actually really know what they're doing here. They were actually able to keep it from raining on the opening ceremonies by bombarding these clouds while they were still far away oh, yeah. and having them dump their rain elsewhere. Crazy. Yeah. So this is this, that's not hokum. And this is a thing that, that happens all the time now, but you need a cloud that's going to rain. You, you, no one's creating rain out of nowhere. If Which we, is why we still have a drought in the Exactly. West Coast. Yep. Yeah, California, they'd find a way to do it. You know, like if you could if you could make rain, they would have they done would have made it. Interesting that there's that you have like step two, uh, but you 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 really can't do anything for like step one. Like yeah. getting uh getting s- enough saturation, enough uh vapor up there to to then shoot stuff into. Well, I think right? it's I think it's like it's like saying I know how to corral a horse but I can't make a horse. If the horse is already there, I know I how to catch it yeah. and I can ride it, but I can't make a horse if there's no horses around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. I just feel like making a cloud is easier than making a horse. <laughs> right. Apparently not. I don't know. There's that artist that makes a cloud in a room. It's a big deal. You can make a cloud in your mouth. You can make a cloud in your mouth. You can make a cloud in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. Yeah, so there you go. That's I think there is a a weather witch that lives in Chicago, uh-huh. because part of my job is is gardening and mm-hmm. and making sure all the plants are watered and everything, and so I watch the weather a lot, and uh, radar stuff like that, the the reports, the forecasts, and I swear to God, the forecasts will say one hundred percent rain showers all day, every day. And you watch the radar, and the whole screen is filled with all the, the it, you're painting with all the colors <laughs> yeah, of the wind, yeah. my friend. And there will not be a drop that comes out here. And then you watch the radar, and the clouds literally split around the city. <laughs> well, which makes sense. There's a lot of heat coming off the city that, that creates a big 
thermal cline for them to try to get around. I I'm the same Weather way. Witch. Weather witch. I like your I like your version better. I I have the same problem. I bike everywhere. I bike to work. I bike everywhere. And so I I've come to to really watch the weather. N- not once this summer have I made a decision based on the weather report and have that turn out to be right. Right. It has shat. So now I'm just like I don't care what what does it say? It's going to literally rain golf ball size hail. I'm I'm riding my yeah. bike. I'm just nah, going to no helmet today. Yeah, it just, there's, there's, you can't account for it. So you might as well just get used to the idea of sometimes you're going to get wailed on. I got caught. We had a huge rainstorm about a week ago. Oh, it was, it was massive. And, um, I didn't know about it cause it wasn't, I mean, like, uh, like yeah, I, they were like, it's going to rain. Right. And I was, <laughs> I was biking home from work and it was, it was spitting and my, my, my ride home was about six miles and I had actually, uh, biked right by, uh, one of my coworkers homes. And I had, I was past it by about four blocks or so. And I was still like a good five minutes or so from getting home. And I get a text message and I I live in the future. So I get a text message on my watch Mm -hmm. and I, so I can ride and read and not die. And he said, Hey, do you want me to go check the office? Cause you know, because of the rain Mm -hmm. to make sure everything's okay. And I'm like, it's barely raining, dude. Oh no. And I had just ridden by his house. I mean, not five minutes before. And I was like, calm down, brother. Like it's, it's, it's not even <gasps> And there. I did not realize there was a solid wall yep. of go to hell. F- you to death rain <laughs> that was chasing me North. I didn't know it was right behind me. And, and so one. <laughs> yeah. And so as I'm looking at this going, dude, why is he asking about, it just enveloped me and you couldn't, I couldn't even ride in it. The wind was everywhere. Oh yeah. It was just, just, just sheets of rain. I had to like huddle up behind a building wow. <laughs> while I just figured out what the hell I was going to do next. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was just so funny that it, I didn't know it was there. And if, if I had like, if I had known, I could have made it home. I could have like burned it and really gotten there. But I was just like, do, 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 do. It just got, <laughs> just got destroyed. <laughs> I love rain. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I sleep better with it. And, yeah, all of it. I, I'm always happy when, when it's raining out. Thank you, garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy when it rains. We sound just like her. <laughs> this is all a form of... What we have talked about uh, many moons ago, sympathetic magic. It's a ritual using objects or actions resembling or symbolically associated with the event or person over which influences salt. And that's, that's how you do it. That's rain making for you. Mm-hmm. In uh soggy, a very, soggy. Very soggy. It's in a huckster's nutshells. H- yeah, huckster's nutshell. So now it's time for us to load up our... our chemical cannons oh yeah we've got to bombard these clowns until yeah. the puns rain down <laughs> you want to go first want me to go first i don't know what the forecast look like <laughs> i'm going first okay uh way back in the day in wallachia there was um whenever they needed rain sure you could go ahead and, and make an effigy out of clay that's fine mm-hmm. but if you really needed rain if you really loved your family well then you need a colloin silver is what you need <laughs> now, now you see people yeah, yeah, yeah. protect yourself from vlad tempish <laughs> these vlad tempish these uh this, boys he's, around he's, here. A, he's a he's a kenyan muslim <laughs> and he's, he's one of these turks yeah he, th- he, he thinks, he, he, thinks he can just push you around but i tell you as a citizen patriot 
out my butthole. Need, need all the Magyars in the world to unite. <laughs> Take on these boyers. <laughs> Nothing but a fat cat boyer. <laughs> what you got for? Uh, let's see. I have a type of ritual where you go through all the normal procedures, uh-huh. and you're expecting to invoke a cryptid. Uh-oh. But instead, you, you get a disappointing and mundane result. It's Sandhill Crane making. ha, <laughs> ha. Nice. I like that. You know, there's a, a large city in Australia that continually uh, grapples with drought. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they found is that if they get uh, Australian lizards, you know, those large Australian lizards called goannas, you know, if they get enough of them together, actually, they, they are able to affect the, the weather patterns and actually bring some precipitation, which makes, you know, they're known as uh, Melbourne, the rain lizards. <laughs> Crikey. Crikey, indeed. <laughs> I need to work on my Australian accent. I feel like I should have it, but every time oh, I reach for it, it's I'm, not there. I know. Me too. It's one of those things where I feel like I had it when I was younger or something. Right. Yeah, know. there's a point I had it. All right. Rounding us out. Some southwestern native tribes in the late 19th century would perform a ceremony after a large, delicious meal. They would grill some beef and just zone out, which became known as the Hopi Steak Trance. Nice. I like that one. I want to go into a steak trance. Yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Them's puns. Them is puns. And now it's time to roll out the huge <laughs> lapis stone. That's right. And, and sprinkle you with, with the water we don't have to bring forth the deluge of listener Now is the time for you to make it rain, dear listener. And rain. Rain. It shall. Rain. Starting up with Alec. 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 The only Alec I know is the Guinness kind. What about Baldwin? Damn it. Oh, and if I didn't just prove enough already, what about smart Alec? <laughs> Which one is this one? <laughs> it's just Alec. Okay. Hi, just Alec. Alec brings us. A show suggestion. Oh, great. Yeah, which thank you very much for that. Uh, Alec actually uh, is a PhD student in the UK, although he's originally from the good old United States of America, said through clenched teeth because I can't cry again every time I say it. (laughs) That's how emotional I get about America. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing? Nothing on that one? Just going to... Just gonna let that one. Well, you're gonna let that squall pass. I- <laughs> uh, so uh, he writes, I, re- "I just discovered your podcast and cannot stop listening." Oh, thank you. That is especially true when I'm drudging through data, and your show provides some interesting facts and some laughs. The facts are interesting, and the laughs some are are there. There's some of them. <laughs> some of the facts are laughable. Um, <laughs> that's true. You're absolutely Jeez. correct. Jeez Louise. What kind of grudge do I have against <laughs> us? <laughs> what? Hey, man, take it easy on us. Okay? All right. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, Alex studies animal behavior, although he used to be a zooarchaeologist. Uh-oh. That's pretty awesome. That's Digging for zoos. Yep. I get you. Tracking I get them you. down. <laughs> and currently focuses primarily on the hunting patterns of cryptic species such as leopards. Leopards. Uh, it says, despite being a scientist, I've always been fascinated with mysteries and the paranormal. Well, 
what scientist isn't uh, drawn to mysteries? Well, played. I hope. Well, I think that uh, any good man and or woman of science should be drawn to mysteries. That's right. And everything was paranormal until science made it normal. Science is mysterious. It is. It is indeed. Just ask dark matter. It, it, it certainly. <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> oh, you're precocious. Thank you, Alec. <laughs> Thanks, Alec. Dave, we've heard from Charles. Oh, hello, Charles. Um, Boy, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. No, I'm not going to fight it. What do you think Charles is in charge of? Puns. Oh. As it turns out. I thought he'd be in charge of our days and our nights. You're wrong. But nope. You're wrong. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that's bad improv. Yeah. No, Uh, no, that was bad improv. Excellent goaltending. (laughs) You you, you stopped a bad thing from happening. (laughs) Charles uh, wrote in with some puns before, and he's got some new ones. Bring it, Charles. Chaz, Chico, Charlie. Chuck, Chuck. Charlemagne, Charlizimo, <laughs> Chwahimbo. <laughs> yeah, I got. I really reached for that one. This one is about Charles. When Charles Fort, oh, was a kid. Charles Today Fort. That's right. Charles Spanish Today Fort. Yeah, yeah. When Charles Fort was a kid, he used to take all the blankets and pillows and build a clubhouse. No girls allowed, except maybe a nurse. It was a Charles blanket fort. Nice. A few years after that, he entered his troubling teen years. You know, 13, 14, 15. <laughs> wow. He's on, a be- he's on a heater. Can anyone stop the madman, Charles? When it gets too warm, you need to cool off by reading the book of the fan. <laughs> Scientists recently discovered that subatomic particles wear clothes. Really? Yeah, they're called pantaquarks. <laughs> I like pantaquarks. Man. Hey, uh, uh, a pun from uh, Bullstone. Whoa. I'm, I, I, I dig that. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, thank you very much, Charles. You're an accomplished punsmith. Caleb's up. Caleb, look out. Order up. Caleb. Ding, ding. Oh, he's serving it up hot. Caleb writes, love the Goat Man episode. Me too. Especially when you ventured into Native American mound builders. Thank you, Caleb. Dave, we've heard from Andrew. From Kentucky. Whoa, do you know him? I don't think I do. Do you guys go to the same Kentucky and Union meetings? No. Do you guys both have getting lucky and Kentucky bumper stickers on your trucks? Shirts, but uh, not bumper stickers. Oh. I actually do have that shirt. Really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I know that in my mind I just invented it, but I know I couldn't possibly have actually sure. invented that. Andrew says, hello. He- hello, Andrew. Uh, hello. Hello. Hey, Andrew? Andrew, can you hear me? <laughs> Andrew, answer me. Oh, you smug son of a bitch. I feel like he's playing with us now. He says he recently discovered the podcast. Woo! <laughs> and it is unequivocally one of the best he has ever listened to. Well, hello. Get, out, get yourself out there more, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> buy a beer for whoever told you about it. And if it was you, buy you a beer. Andrew has spread the gospel. Woo! And get this, Lana. He works at a library. Hey, oh, I'm your hype man today. (laughs) Can you take us to the bridge, please? (laughs) You know, Andrew, do you work at the same library as Lana? Yeah. Lana, Andrew, 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 Lana. He said he actually had a patron recently ask if any of them had any interest in the paranormal. 
And if they could help them find a, a supernatural books in the old library. Sweet. And he said in the midst of showing them, they struck up a conversation about cryptids. He recommended our show. <gasps> and Recommended by librarians. That's right. And the person since came back ranting about Sandhill Cranes. Yay! Uh! <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Uh, yes. you, you are a true gentleman and, and a obviously a, a, a literal, scholar. A literal scholar. Yeah. Sorry, he's, sorry, and he's sorry. got a postscript. Oh, sweet. Bring it. Andrew says, I feel the need to ask if you all have heard of, about the latest book buzz. Oh. It seems that esteemed author Harper Lee has another manuscript, one that was about hunting cryptids in the 50s. Really? Yeah. After some controversy, the book has been released under its original title, Go Hunt a Squatchman. I smelled it and I was so <laughs> glad. That's awesome. Go I love that. Man. That's a per- that's a you know what? That's a that's a winning librarian pun right there. That's a librarian's pun. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Andrew. Andrew. Well, I've got one here from Hannah. 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 Hannah's a palindrome. It is a palindrome. She gets you she gets you one way or the other. <laughs> Hannah writes. I've recommended this show to pretty much everyone yeah! I know who likes podcasts. Wow. Pumped up guitar riff. Yeah. Why didn't we have that sooner? Your amusement at the word haint continues to make me smile because here in the South, we paint our porch roofs haint blue to keep huh. bad spirits away. Also, wasps, same difference though. Truth. <laughs> there's no difference between a haunting and a wasp. I'd say wasps are worse. <laughs> yeah. It's also an alternate word for bitch when you absolutely must call a woman mm. uh, unsavory but cannot drop the big B. Right. And y'all's version of the raven was one of my favorite things ever. Keep up the good work. No puns because I am legit the worst at them. Well, you have to prove it, Hannah. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of competition. You don't just get to declare it. <laughs> we'll decide who's the worst. <laughs> and never apologize. <laughs> yeah. Ever, never. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Hannah. Dave. What? We believe we've heard back from Ooh. Irish Daggle. The Irish Daggle! <laughs> the last time I heard it, the Irish Daggle was sitting in pub, drinking a pint. It comes in like nothing ever went wrong in his whole damn life. Walks up to me and says, Oi, how about a pint for me trouble? And I said, We all got trouble. I, this is just rambling now. <laughs> <laughs> just looking at Dave like, where's he going with this? <laughs> Dave doesn't Where's know. He, he doesn't know. know. And I, I could have gotten it somewhere, but we don't have that much time. Like, yeah, I realized that wasn't going to pay off. Hi, Irish Daigle. Irish Daigle says, thanks for making me laugh and learn at the same time. That's how he starts off, and we appreciate that. And he says he just finished Flood Myths 2 and wanted to chime in with some related history. Sweet. So the Mayans get a lot of credit for their advanced mathematics and astronomy, but they weren't the only culture in the Americas with some advanced knowledge. Not surprising. That's we're, right. We're an, we're an industrious continent. <laughs> he's, he's talking about the Incan Empire and what is now Peru. They were great at architecture and metalworking, but a recent discovery on the top of Machu Picchu shows another talent indicative of having survived a global flood. It is not in the greatest condition now, but it is a diagram of the human body showing their immense and intimate knowledge of its workings in a time that predates da Vinci's own famous diagram by thousands of years. Thousands of years. Archaeologists have taken to calling it the antediluvian Peruvian Vitruvian Man. Wow! That is a top ten pun right there. That is a top ten pun. 
Oye Ortega got some Guinness down him, and then he just goes, whoop bam whoop bam whoop bam whoop bam You want a fucking fight? <laughs> you what, mate? You what, mate? <laughs> that was awesome. Way to go, Irish Dagger. Also, because I, for most of that, did not realize it was a pun. Hook, fish hooked. There you go. He had me. Uh-oh, Flora. Uh-oh. Got us an email oh, from- Oh, no. You got it. We should read it. You son of a bitch. Cock. Block. See, cock, this, is, cock, this is usually the part in the podcast where Flora's like, well, what is it, dude? What is it? <laughs> Um, clairvoyant Katie, <gasps> who who everyone knows is now famous because clairvoyant Katie gave us Blur Reavers, Blur Reavers, or Reavers. Reavers. She writes, "Hi guys, hi. I live in Bloomington, Indiana, Woo. where they hold Krampus Night. Uh, you guys would be more than welcome to crash at our place, or we should at least meet up so I can buy you a beer and fill you in on all the fun weird things Bloomington has to offer." I'm yes, I I accept. I think we'll probably find a place to stay. That's just my gut instinct. But I accept beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I uh, actually you come with us. We'll, we'll, I think today I I actually uh, replied to one of Katie's Facebook uh, messages. Oh yeah, because I I posted the Krampus. Oh, the movie, the trailer. Yeah, cause yeah. A lot uh, of people have been sending it to us. Uh, one of our listeners, Amy, posted. Uh, I I got to see the whole. The she had the trailer. Yeah, a lot of people posted uh, uh, to us, but I, I got to tell you, looks a little uh, disappointing, but I'll still well, go see it. Here's the thing. It confused me because it appeared to be from the actors they chose mm-hmm. to be a comedy. Right. And then it wasn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and and the whole, I don't know, the, the whole premise, of course, as all Blue Reavers know, is not that Krampus shuts down and terrorizes one house for the evening. I, you know what though? Here's the thing. Any, there's, and I think that we are, we, we, you and I, Flora, are Krampus rich. Okay. We, you have a, a badass Krampus sweater for crying out loud. Oh, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, we live in a world surrounded by Krampus, but very few people know about Krampus. True. And so anything that raises the general awareness. I'm all for. So yeah, we're absolutely. I'm calling it now. Well, this point, Katie, we are going to Bloomington. Yeah, we're gonna get beers. We're all gonna get trashed, and we're all gonna go and we'll. I don't know, flip a coin, Rochambeau, or just all mark ourselves as targets. Right. Either yeah, we'll go through this uh, this Krampus knocked uh, haunted house. Yes, and good time emporium that they have down there, and we're gonna drag Jay Nathan Couch along with us. Yes. Oh man! And just have a, have a party, so all of our uh, Indiana uh, fans can can meet us down there. I, you know what? I want to roll posse strong here. I want Greg Bach. I want Ken Height. Mm-hmm. I want Dark Mark Soloff. I want to just roll down there with like the biggest bunch of weird asses we can fit into a <laughs> minivan. <laughs> we need a minivan, That'd also. Great. Um, oh, here's a good question, listeners. If Flora and I had a minivan, what would it be called? Can't be the Mystery Machine. I know. Or we could just call it the Reaver Mobile, cover it in barbed wire and skulls and bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, Katie. And we got one last one here. Unamas. Going out on a high note. Although, I mean, Clairvoy and Katie's offer is pretty high note. Sure. Pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, I'm out Joe. Joe. Just Joe. Joe writes, just discovered your podcast, Instant Fangirl. Yeah. Planning on embarrassing my 17-year-old at the beach tomorrow, binging and laughing out loud. Going to be great. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Our podcast should be used as an embarrassment canon. I think that is a great use of it. Yeah. I believe that. 
So I hope now granted because we, everyone knows how listener mail works right here by now it has already been deployed. The 17 year old is probably still in tears, <laughs> refusing to talk to you, Joe, but well played. Yeah. Yeah. You ruined the beach. <laughs> what with your enjoying yourself. That's right. <laughs> what if it's different? What if, what if our 17 year old is like, Mom, could you just take the could you take the headphones out? We're all we're all just trying to have fun here. Well, <laughs> yeah, will you well, join us? Yeah, could you, you join us in our could family you engage? activity? <laughs> Stop laughing, Mom. Stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you, yeah. Joe. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Joe wins either way. <laughs> Thank you all very much for your oh, writings. Such for, for, for wetting our fertile fields. That's right. Now we can have <laughs> a bountiful harvest for one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, be looking for a supplemental soon, by yeah. the by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're eating this entire crate of cookies. It's been backing up for too long. Too many cookies to be eaten. Sorry. It's time we, we've got uh, an eight-ounce glass of of uh, eight ounce drinking glass and a big bag full of milk. And we're just going to go after it. Glass full of cookies, bag full of milk. It's going to hit each other with the milk. I haven't had anything to drink in days. Maybe that's the problem. Oh man. My body's like, well, we're going to fake it till you make it. We're just going to make you sound drunk. till you can, till you can get us done. Uh, while you're, uh, while you're done sending the emails, we're not done with tasking you with important things. Your mission regardless of whether you choose to accept it, yep. is to write a five-star review on iTunes, Ba-ding. is to uh, f- like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on the Twitters, uh, blurry underscore photos, we're blurry photos at uh, uh, the Facebook, punch the donate button. I mean, you know what? Give it a karate chop. Kia! Kia! Hi! You know, whatever whatever power sound you want to make as you punch that. Um, and A kiop. A kiop. Yeah. And please, if you like what we're doing, don't forget other friends at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. How about campaign, Dave? In the campaign podcast, a small, consistent group of Chicago improvisers play through an ongoing role-playing game set in the Star Wars universe. Huh. It's hosted by Cat Cool. Sounds like a real cool, cool customer. Cool or cull? I, I'm not sure. Sorry, like, Cat. Or Kroll. <laughs> Check those guys out, and, yeah. and thanks for supporting the Chicago Podcast Co-op, and thank you, Chicago Podcast Yeah, that Co-op. sounds fun. Don't forget, we're on audibletrial.com slash blurry photos, and you, you can get, get yourself it. that damn book. Audio Why book? do you not want someone to read to you? It's so soothing when you were a child. It's all you ever wanted. It's great. Now that you're an adult and you have the reins, why turn your back on it? <laughs> you have the reins. You're paying taxes. At least you can do this for yourself. It's free. Free. Uh, But anyways, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been David, the Rain Man Flora. And I'm Dave, the Dave who is Dave Stecco, not David Flora, because the Dave Flora is not David Stecco, and someone has to be the David Stecco, so I'll be the David Stecco. Oh? Stecco. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa Gonna take some time to do the things we never find Goodbye Rain stand Rain stand <laughs>